Welcome to Thrive Church. We're so happy to have you here with us today. My name is Judah. I'm the lead pastor here at Thrive, and we welcome you, whether you're one of our locations, uh, uh, Torrington, New Britain, Terryville, or online or on TV, we welcome you. We are so glad to have you here with us, and we are in a series right now called 23, 23, and this series, we are taking a look at the 23rd Psalm, Psalm 23, one of the most popular chapters in the entire Bible. There's so much jam-packed in there. And so throughout this series, we're taking a look at it verse by verse. We started out talking about the Lord being our shepherd and, and how he wants to be our shepherd, how he guides us, leads us, cares for us. Then we talked about how he provides for us. He makes us to lay down in green pastures. He leads us beside still waters, and, and he's uh, bringing us to a place of rest. And so throughout this series, as we are looking at these different verses, also kind of my, my goal is that we just become super familiar with this chapter, maybe even be able to memorize it. So we're going to just read it together. It's on your notes or it's on the screen. So let's just jump right in and join me as we read this uh, Psalm 23. Here we go. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Great job. This is the 23rd Psalm. And throughout this, you know, you can uh, work on it. You can read it, maybe read it each day. It's a, an amazing chapter. And so we're going to be taking a look at all different aspects of it. And today we're focusing on verse number three, the third verse, which is he restores my soul. You can underline it. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. So we've been looking at all of these verses one by one, but here he talks about restoring our souls, restoring our weary souls and guiding us onto paths of righteousness or guiding us on the right path. You know, we live in a world that constantly is demanding our time, our energy, our resources, is always wanting more of our attention. In fact, you, you go online, you go on social media, and, and, and the whole thing is about grabbing your attention. Let me grab your attention. It wants our attention. Where is our attention? As believers, as followers of Jesus Christ. Sometimes we can find ourselves getting drained and worn down, but in your notes, we have a shepherd who promises to restore and to renew us. A shepherd. He is a good shepherd. The Lord is our shepherd, and he's promising this restoration. He's promising us this renewal. In Psalm 23, verse 3, now this is the same verse but instead of the ESV, this is in the New Living Translation. Look how it says it here. He says, he renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. It kind of has a little bit of a, of a different feel there. In the other one, it says that he restores my soul. Here it says, he renews my strength. And if you look at the original language there, 
It, it, that's what it literally means. It, it can mean, where it says he restores our souls, it means he, he restores, he renews our strength. He restores or he renews our passion. He restores or renews our drive. He restores or renews our life. Has anybody here, have you ever restored anything before? Anybody restored something? Okay, some of you people, you restored something. I don't know, maybe, maybe you restored a car. Maybe you restored some furniture. Maybe you restored, you know this is the worst thing to restore? A computer, you know? It's like it crashes, and you, maybe you have a backup. You hope you had a backup, and now you have to restore it, right? What does it mean to restore something? To restore something means that you want to bring it back to its former condition. You want to bring it back to its former condition. When I was a kid, uh, my, my dad, he wanted a boat, and, uh, and just always wanted a boat. And, and one day, we were out four-wheeling, and on the side of a dirt road, he found a boat. Except it must have been there for like the last 20 years. I mean, the whole side was busted out of it. He's like, I want that boat. And he took it, and over the next several months, spent time restoring it. Like we restore something, it means that we're going to bring it back to its former condition, its former glory. Now, my daughter Macy, uh, you know, she inherited a new desk when we bought our house. And she had this desk, and she decided that it was not adequate for her taste. So she decided to restore this thing. And so she took this desk, she sanded it down, she went through the whole process, you know, stained it, and she put the polyurethane on. She did it all by herself, spent all the time, all the energy, all the money to, to bring something back to its former glory, to make something like new again. See, this is something that, that God wants to do. He wants to bring restoration. He wants to restore us. It says that he restores our soul. Sometimes when you restore something, it ends up looking worse before it looks better. You know what I'm saying? Like, like if you're going to restore something, if you're restoring furniture, first you got to do, you, you got to sand it down, right? And, and, and it looks like, it looks like you're, it's getting worse uh, before it gets better. Maybe you're, you're, you're grinding something, you're chipping away at something, you're shaping something, you're filing something, you, you're, you're destroying it, but in order to make it better, in your notes, God's purpose isn't to destroy you, his purpose is to restore you. See, that's God's purpose. It's not to destroy. Sometimes we're going through difficulties. We're going through sickness. We're going through hard times. We're going through, through troubles in life, and we feel like, like, man, God is just out to get me. But God is not out to destroy you. He's out to restore you. And so we see David, and, and he's emphasizing how a shepherd would want to restore a lost sheep or a wounded sheep. You know, if a sheep you know, strayed away from the flock, how the shepherd would go out and, and would find that sheep, bringing it back. If, if the sheep got injured somehow, then the shepherd would, would take the sheep and would, would nurse it back to health, nurse it back to life again, would spend the time to restore. See, our shepherd restores our souls when we are weary, when we're tired, when we're anxious, when we feel like giving up, when we're wounded, when we're spiritually depleted, when we feel like our life is running on empty, God wants to restore us. He wants to restore us, to bring us back to his original design. I don't know if you've ever felt worn down. Maybe, I mean, of course we all have, but have you felt worn down recently? Have you felt exhausted? Maybe you felt beaten down. Maybe you felt uh, you know, uh, unappreciated. Maybe you felt like you're a failure. You felt tired. Maybe you felt broken. See, God wants to restore you. God wants to bring renewal. He wants to recreate your life. He wants to, to, to bring this transformation into your life. He restores our soul. 
He does the work. He brings the restoration, the restoration that we are unable to accomplish in and of ourselves. We think that, that maybe we can follow self-help things and that'll bring restoration. No, God is the one. Our good shepherd is the one who restores our souls. So what kind of things do we restore? What do we restore in this world? Like, If you're going to restore something, what, are we, what do we restore? And you know, it's, we restore things that have potential. Right, that's what you restore. We restore things that have potential. You're not going to restore something that's worthless, right? Like if you go out to, to, to McDonald's and, and you have a, you know, a drink and your, your cup gets a little bit you know, crushed a little bit, you're not going to go home and say, oh, I'm going to bring this back to life again. I'm going to restore this, right? Like, no, we don't care. It's worthless. It's trash. I'm just going to throw it away. But if something has worth to you, then you put the time, the energy, the effort in to restore. They say one man's trash is another person's treasure. And, and some of you, maybe you found things on the side of the road even, and, and you say, I'm going to restore this because I see that it has potential. We restore things because we see that it has worth. See, God sees the worth in your life. Maybe you don't feel like you're worth very much. Maybe you feel like you're worthless. Maybe you don't have much self-worth in your life. Well, God sees the worth. He sees the value, and he wants to restore you. He restores our soul. That's what God wants to, to bring because he sees that you have worth. See, the shepherd in this story here isn't just providing rest for the flock, but he's also providing restoration. He's providing restoral, re renewal. He's providing transformation. When we find ourselves weary and exhausted, when we find ourselves broken and down and out, see, God is the source of our restoration. Maybe you've been going around in life feeling like you're at rock bottom, feeling like, like you don't know how to take that next step forward. Maybe it's because it's time to, to depend on the good shepherd, to turn your life over to good, the good shepherd, the one who will restore our soul. It's not our work, it's not our effort, but it's his power, his renewing, transformative power that can bring new life into our bodies. Just as a Shepherd, a good shepherd, brings restful pastures and calm waters for his sheep. God wants to restore our weary souls, our brokenness, our hurt, our shame, our past. God wants to bring that renewal. See, in your notes, God knows our needs, and he understands our struggles. God knows our needs. He knows your needs, and he knows my needs. He knows the things, and we talked about this last week, how God is the one who provides for us. He knows the needs that you have, the needs that maybe nobody else has, and he understands our struggles. Maybe you feel like nobody can understand what you've been through. Nobody can relate to the, the pain, the hardship, the trials that you've been through. See, our God, our good shepherd, he knows, he understands, and not only does he know, not only does he see, not only does he understand, but he wants to bring healing. He wants to bring restoration. He wants to bring renewal into your life, into your body, into your spirit, into your soul. God, he sees, he understands, but he also brings the transformation. He brings the healing. He brings the guidance. He brings the direction that no other person, no other thing in this world can bring. It says in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 30, it says, even youths shall faint. Has anybody here ever fainted before? Anybody ever fainted? Okay, a couple of you guys. I know it's not manly to say, but I fainted before. 
Numerous times I fainted. And, and you know where it usually, it's embarrassing. Like one of the first times I fainted was I went to the hospital to visit my friend who decided that he was going to make fireworks at home, and it didn't go very well. And, and, and so he ended up in the hospital, and I went to visit him, and as I'm visiting him and I'm seeing the, the, the burns and the damage, I was just like, boom, I hit the ground. Before I knew it, I like woke up on a gurney, and everybody's around me, and I'm like, you should be paying attention to him. And they're like, yeah, but you just went unconscious here in the room. Like he said, you know, sometimes we faint. It's not a very flattering thing to faint. Here it says, even youth shall faint and be weary. Have you ever been weary? You're working so hard. You're running so hard. You, you, you're just working yourself to the bones. Even youth shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. Verse 31 says, but they who wait for the Lord. Are we waiting for the Lord? Are we keeping our eyes on him? Are, we, are, are our eyes on the good shepherd? Are we looking to him, our leader, our shepherd, our savior, our Lord and King? It says, but they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. It's the renewal. It's the restoration. Your strength, which was depleted, is now being renewed. Your strength, which is now on empty, is now being restored. He says, but they who wait for the Lord our, our eyes on Jesus. They who wait for the Lord, they shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. See, this is what God wants to bring into your life. He wants to bring renewal. He wants to bring energy and strength and endurance into your life. No matter how you feel right now, no matter how, how discouraged or depressed you may feel, see, there is a good shepherd and he wants to lead us. But the reason why sometimes we don't feel that renewal is because we have not been following him. We've been wandering astray and then we wonder why. We wonder why we're running our life on empty. We're not, we're not allowing the Holy Spirit to refill us, to renew us. We're not in scripture. We're not in prayer. We're not listening for God's voice and therefore we're spiritually depleted. Because he re renews us, he refreshes us, he restores us, he strengthens us. Why? Why does God do this? See, God restores us so that he can lead us. See, we have to be healthy in order to follow him. We have to be able to move, we have to have energy to follow him. So he brings the restoration, he brings the renewal so that we can follow him down the right path. In the New Living, you know, back we read it before, it says that he guides me along right paths. He leads me in paths of righteousness. So what are you following? Or who are you following? And everybody talks about followers, right? You get on social media, and it's all about how many followers do you have? How many people are following you? And the reality it is, is for the most part, they're not even real followers. They're really not following you. All they're doing is looking at photographs that you post and maybe hitting a heart from time to time. They're not really following you. See, we are called to follow the shepherd. And what does that mean? That we are going to imitate, that we are going to stay close. We're going to allow him to guide us. We're going to allow him to provide, to direct us. We're going to let him lead us in our life. But who are we following? Are, are we trying to follow some celebrity, some influencer? Are we trying to follow them rather than following the good shepherd who actually cares about us, who knows our needs and fills the needs? See, are we following our shepherd? In your notes, our shepherd knows the way perfectly and guides us in the right direction. See, he knows the way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. If you want to get to God, you don't need a, a, a path. You don't need the, the map. You need the guide. He says, I am the way. 
I am the way. I will lead you there. That's what Jesus is saying. So our shepherd, he knows and he guides us down the right path. And he leads us away from the danger and he leads us into the place of safety. He leads us into a place of, of growth and renewal. He leads us into prosperity. He leads us on the paths that are pleasing to him and he leads us in the ways that are in line with his purpose for our life. Is that he leads us in the right path. You know, a good, a good shepherd leads from the front. Now, even, even, in, even in the real world, right, right? You talk about like leading. Maybe you lead something. Maybe you lead uh, at work. Maybe you lead at school. Maybe you're leading in your family. I think there's two kinds of, uh, there's two ways of leading, right? There's leading from the front and there's leading from the back. And I always challenge people who are leading different areas of ministry or different teams. I'm like, we always want to be leaders who are leading from the front rather than leaders who are leading from the back. What's the difference? A leader who's leading from the front is painting the vision of where we're going, saying, here's where we're going. Here's what God can do. Here's, here's what we can accomplish if we all work together, and I'm going there, and I'm at the front of the path, and I'm going to go, and I'm inviting you to follow. What, what's the difference between that versus somebody who leads from behind? They lead from behind, and you know what they usually have when they're leading from behind? A stick in their hand. Right? It's like, come on, let's get moving, let's get moving, let's get moving. And, and, and you're hitting people, and, and you're cutting them down, and you're doing all this stuff, saying, come on, we got to get going. Now, the end result, you may still get to the same place, but they're not going to be very happy about it when you get there. See, because we're leading from behind, and this is not the way that our good shepherd leads. Now, it doesn't mean that he doesn't bring correction, but he's one who leads us from the front. And, and as we follow him, we follow him closely, we listen for his voice, and he directs us. He restores us. He renews our soul. Now, sheep, we've talked about them a little bit, how they're not the brightest animal in the animal kingdom. And, and sheep, uh, you know, when it goes to, to grazing, if they're left on their own, they'll go in, into a field and they'll eat all the food there until it's gone and then they'll start eating the dirt and the rocks until they just drop dead because like, they're just not smart. They don't know to go looking somewhere else. Also, when they're going to the field, like, they, they'll just go the same path every single time and they'll end up digging themselves a rut they dig a rut, and then they can't, they can't deviate from it. They're just always going. There may be grass over there, but they're not going to go over there because I'm just in this rut. Do we ever get caught in a rut before? Anybody ever get caught in a rut? Okay, some of you are lying. You know why, how I know? Because some of us, we sit in the same chair every week we come to church. You come in, you're like, oh, excuse me, excuse me. You're in my seat. Look on the bottom. It's got my name on it, you know? I know some of you are, like, looking at me right now. Like, you're crazy. Um, you know... We, we get in a rut. We're like, oh, I'm going to sit here. I'm going to do this. Like we get in this rut and we go through our life and we get in this rut and, and we're doing the same thing the same way and, and we're wondering why we can never break free from things in our life. See, we get caught in this rut. See, we're creatures of habit. But see, God, he is our good shepherd and not only does he lead us down the right path, but he'll often lead us down a new path. He'll lead us in a new direction, in a new way, and he'll bring us to new nutrients and new green pastures and new still waters, and he'll lead us the way he wants us to go. And we might be saying, but I want to go that way. And he's like, yeah, but you're following me now, and we're going to go this way. It says in Isaiah 53, 6, it says, all of us like sheep have strayed away. We've left God's path to follow our own. We ever do that? We ever follow our own path? Of course we do. 
Oh, I think I know best. I'm going to do this. I don't need to consult God. I'm just going to do what I want to do, when I want to do it, how I want to do it. And, and then I'll pray, God, please bless my plans. It's like, like sometimes I think God's just sitting up there with his arms crossed. Like, like really? You're just going to do whatever you want and just say, God, will you, will you please bless it? Like, instead of coming to him and seeking him first and say, God, where do you want me to go? You're the good shepherd. I will follow you. Are we following the lead of our shepherd? See, some of us that we feel like, like God isn't noticing us, that maybe, maybe he isn't paying attention to us, maybe, maybe he's forgotten about us. Let me tell you this, and it's in your notes. God will not abandon you. God will not abandon you. His word says he will never leave you, and he will never forsake you. He will not abandon you. He, he, he's not just some God that says, well, hey, you know what? Good luck. I hope you make it. And if you don't, then, well, that's just tough for you. But like, that is not how God is. He leads us. He is proactively leading us. See, he's not just leading us, he's proactively leading us if we let him. See, we have to follow him, and following him requires humility. See, I have to be humble to follow somebody. See, if I'm proud, then I'm like, no, I know where I'm going, right? I, can, I, I will go my way, I'll do it my way. I pull myself up on my own bootstraps, I'm going to do what I want to do, when I want to do, but when we follow God, this takes humility, saying, okay, I'm going to let you set the pace. I'm going to let you set the direction. I'm going to let you guide me and lead me in the path that you want me to go. And when we stray, when we wander, this is the great news about Jesus. When we stray, he comes after us. He doesn't forsake us. He doesn't leave us. He doesn't abandon us. He comes after us. He doesn't write you off. He loves you. He pursues you. In fact, this is why you're here today. Right? You may not know why you're here. You're here because God pursued you, because he led you, because he wants you to be here. Maybe somebody invited you. Maybe somebody encouraged you. Maybe somebody said, I'll buy you dinner if you come. And you know what? If you came with somebody and this is your first time, twist their arm. Make them take you out for dinner after, okay? Here's the thing. See, God, he wants to lead us. He wants to guide us. He wants to direct us. And he restores us. Why? For his name's sake for his glory, to bring him honor and to bring him glory. In your notes, God restores us not so we look good, but so he looks good. See, it's not about me looking good, it's about him looking good. See, God doesn't bring restoration in my life so everybody can say, wow, look what you've accomplished. No, he brings restoration to my life so that I can point the way for other people to see Jesus, so they can see the good work that he's done in me, and maybe perhaps he can do the same work in them. See, our life is a story of God's goodness. Our life is a story of God's mercy, his healing power, his provision, and his forgiveness. It's an opportunity for me to say, look where I was, and now here I am. Maybe you're going through good times right now, and guess what? God is good. Maybe you're going through bad times. He is still good. God is still on the throne, even when we go through difficulties. See, when the shepherd, he restores our soul, he guides us, he, he does it to bring him honor and glory. It brings honor and glory to his name. And may our lives reflect his goodness. May our lives reflect his faithfulness and forgiveness and provision to the world around us so that when they see our good works, they may glorify our Father in heaven. This demonstrates to the world the character of our good shepherd, of the good things that he's done, how he's healed, restored, renewed, and brought transformation. See, when souls are restored and when we walk in God's will, our life becomes an example to others. 
And people may come up to you and say, like, I, I know there's something different about you. What is it that's different? How can you be going through this difficult time and it not totally be destroying you? And it say, well, you know what? It's because God's restored my soul. Because of what Jesus has done in my life. And it allows us to invite them to come to church. It invites us to invite them to read scripture, to grow in their own personal spiritual journey. And so we strive to reflect God's love. We strive to bring honor and glory to his name because he is good. We'll close with this verse in Psalm chapter 34, verse 2. It says, I will boast only in the Lord. You, we, you know, we like to boast about a lot of things. Right? We like to boast about our skills. We like to boast about our, you know, our, our TVs. We like to boast about our money. We like to boast about our education. We like to boast about our jobs. We like to boast about where we live and the car that we drive. We boast about all kinds of things. But here, David is writing. He says, I will boast only in the Lord. Now, David had plenty of things that he could have boasted about. He could have boasted about the fact that he killed a giant with a sling and a sword. He could have boasted about all of the enemies that he conquered with his mighty men. He could have boasted about the fact that he was killed over Israel. He could boast about anything that he wanted to, but instead he says, I will boast only in the Lord. Let all who are helpless take heart. Maybe you're feeling a little helpless. He says, take heart. Take heart. He says, come and let us tell of the Lord's greatness. Let us exalt his name together. Let us lift up his name. Let us praise his name together. Let us boast of the good things that our God has done because he has healed our body. He's restored our souls. He's provided for us everything that we could ever need. He's guided us. He's protected us. He's directed us. He's renewed us. He's forgiven us. He's transformed us. And I can boast about the Lord my God. I can't boast about my own accomplishments because I haven't really accomplished that much. But I can boast about the good things that God has done because it's all for his name's sake. So let his name be lifted high, not my name. I just want to make a name for myself. That's what people say. I want to make a name for myself in this world. No, let us make a name for Jesus Christ, our Lord, for his glory, for his honor. You may not like me, and that's okay, but I don't care if you like me. I want you to like my God. I want you to like my king, my Lord, the one who is the good shepherd, and let him restore you. Let him lead you in the green pastures by the still waters. Let him restore you and lead you down the right path for his glory, for his honor, for his name, so we can praise him, we can worship him, because he alone is worthy. He alone is good. He is the one who leads us and provides us. He is the one who transforms transforms us and restores us and he is a miracle working shepherd and he alone is worthy of our praise let's pray god we come to you now and we thank you for your goodness we thank you that you are our good shepherd you lead us you restore us and you guide us so we come to you now lord and invite you to have your way in us we turn over the controls of our life to you you say, have your way. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus is your Lord, he is the good shepherd, and he wants to be your shepherd. Does anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved? Won't you call on his name? Because if you believe that God raised Jesus from the dead, do you believe that? You believe God raised Jesus from the dead, and if you say with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, then you'll be saved. Won't you call on his name now and say, Jesus, you are my Lord. You are my shepherd and I choose to follow you. God, so we come to you now. 
We thank you for your leading. We thank you for your guiding. We thank you for your restoration. We thank you that you've invited us to come to you broken and tired and running on empty. And many of us today, we are running on empty. We're tired. We're exhausted. We're broken. We're hurting. We feel like we failed the world and we feel like we failed you. And we come to you now and we invite you to bring restoration. You are our shepherd. You have us here for a purpose. You bring the renewal. You bring the restoration. And so, Lord, we just invite you to transform our thoughts, transform our hearts, renew our mind. Let us see the world like you see it. Lord, just bring the healing, bring the protection, the provision into our life that you want. You restore our soul for your namesake. You are the name above all names. You are the king of all kings. You are the Lord of all lords. And one day every knee will bow and say that you are the Lord. So we do this for your glory, for your honor. We praise your name. We lift you high. We magnify your name because you are our shepherd. You are our king. You are our Messiah and our Savior. In Jesus' name, amen.